Man, I love those words. Did you, were you guys reading and singing those words? Would you, were you guys paying attention to what you guys were just singing? I love, man, I love those words because you, you look at those words and it's basically a confession, right? Do you guys realize that you just confessed? Do you guys know what you even confessed to as you sang? You just confessed to not being perfect, right? You just confessed to saying, man, I have no righteousness. I'm an orphan. I don't even belong with you, God. That's our confession. And here at Citizens, we're not, we're not afraid to admit it, you know? We're not a group of people that can look around and go, no, 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 I, I'm perfect. I swear. No, man, we're, we have no righteousness. But guys, God pursued us anyway. Man, God pursued us anyway. He saved us. He brought us together into his family. And guess what we do now that we've been saved in his family? You know what we do? We gather together like this. And we come together and we say, man, God, thank you for saving us. And we sing that. Like we literally stand up and sing. Like how many other places in your life besides like the beginning of a sporting event do you guys sing? Nobody like second period, nobody like starts off class, like math class. All right, math class, stand up. We're going to sing the quadratic equation, right? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. You thought I was going somewhere else with that, right? You guys don't start. I mean, singing is kind of weird, right? Like nobody, nobody in our day and and time here stands up and just starts singing songs. But we come together and we cannot help but sing because he saved us, man. And so every week as we gather, I, I encourage you guys. I appeal to you guys. I urge you, sing, guys, right? Sing, robust singing. As we respond to our message today, sing, vocalize, use your mouths, you know? Because this is truth that we're singing. And so, man, I almost want to be done now so that we can just sing again, Max. But um, we'll, we'll sing soon, okay? Uh, go ahead and take out your Bibles. Open up to the book of Ruth. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Ruth. Um, here at Citizens, you're going to be really kind of lost if you don't have a Bible open, okay? And so um, we got Max back there with a box of Bibles under the steps there. If you need a Bible, um, he's just going to walk around and pass those out. Um, because again, th- this is a, uh, a new school year, new year, new you, and uh, this is like orientation, you know? First day of class, usually you come in and you can expect to not do any work because you're just like, going over the syllabus. Anybody hate the first day of class for that reason? Right? You're like, can we just learn something? And then the other kids in the class are like, we can like talk about the syllabus all semester. I'm not complaining, right? So uh, yeah, so just some house things here. You guys are going to want to bring your Bibles. You want to have those open. You want to be following along. Also, we have on your chairs these little, this is warm. I think somebody was sitting on this. Oh, awesome. All right. So we have these things on your chairs down here. And uh, you guys want to go ahead and pull those out. Follow along. Um, if you want to take notes, that's cool. That's cool. But um, we're actually, you may, you may be using the notes a little bit less today for, for a reason I'll talk about in a minute because we're doing something different today. But um, yeah. All right. We're going to do a little poll here. Show of hands. I only want honesty, okay? I know that 10% of you will raise your hand no matter what I say, so I'm going to eliminate those. Um, not you. That'd be really morbid. I will eliminate you. But um, I will just... Remove you from my count. How many people in this room love fire? Fire lovers. How many pyros? Nice and high, proudly. Okay. <laughs> Somebody in the back is holding up a torch right now. They're like, I love fire. I'm like, how did you just make a torch, bro? Oh, my God, right? So fire lovers, for real? Okay, all right. Yeah, fire's fun, right? Fire's pretty solid. We just came out of summer. How many of you guys spent some time this summer on a bonfire? 
right? Yep. Okay. How many of you missed those bonfire moments? Dude, you literally have a picture of fire on your phone. It's like, fuego, right? Fire is fun. Dude, is that why you guys use so many fire emojis? Because you like literal fire? <laughs> I get it now. I'm like, why do you use the, emo- the fire emoji after everything? Dude, how was your day? Awesome, fire. And I'm like, you played with fire? I don't get it. Somebody can explain to me afterwards. But fire's fun, right? So you guys were at bonfires. How many people got to do a fire on the beach? Any beach fires? Those are kind of rare. Okay, yeah, we did. Okay. Any campfires? Anybody get their mallows on? Hashtag mallows, right? Hashtag some more of what? Oh, classic. All right. Dude, fire is fun, man. Fire is so much fun. Those are, those are moments that like I'll never forget. Those are moments you'll never forget. Hanging out around a bonfire and just like having fun, right? There's something about like the warm glow that as you look across the fire, you see like the flames just like reflect off a person's face, right? Doesn't everything feel so much more epic when you're at a fire, right? Yeah. Like, like if we were to sit in this room right now and talk about like um, math class, it'd be like, yeah, math class, right? But if we were on a fire, if we were on a fire, I could just picture Max being like, bro, like I learned, and this, I know this is crazy, but I learned how to calculate sine, cosine, and tangent. <laughs> and dude, everybody at that fire would go, yo, man, that's deep, right? Oh, dude. It's just, a fire is fun, dude. Fire makes everything awesome, right? The warmth, the way it feels, the way it looks, the scenery, the ambiance, right? That's a French word that means ambiance, right? Um, <laughs> whenever you don't know how to translate, like, a French word, you just say it that way, and you're like, we're really cool, you know? Like, um... When you can put something in your repertoire, right? I was thinking about that. I was like, why do we not just translate that? Because we don't know how. So we just call it repertoire. So anyway, fire is fun. You're like, Sam, you're crazy today. I know it. I know it. I took some crazy pills. But how many, one more time. How many people love fire? You love fire. Okay. You love fire. Fire's fun. Great, great, great. But how many of you know? All right, serious moment. How many of you know that fire is not always fun though, Right? I mean, fire is fun. We think of happy memories. We think about bonfires and campfires. We think about the bros. We think about the bros around the campfire. But dude, there's some people, perhaps even in this room, there are some people that the mere thought of fire petrifies them. There's some people that they have memories scarred into their brains because they, when they think about fire, they think about the destructive nature of flames. Fire's fun, man. But there's also a different type of fire. There's fire that if you even let it go, there's fire that unless you check it, it will ravage an entire home. Have you guys ever seen pictures on the news of an entire house caught up in flames? And you just, and you think about like, how did that happen? You think about people trapped inside. You think about people who have experienced third degree burns. Like imagine being trapped in a corner and you cannot escape because the flames are coming on you. And what goes through your mind in those last moments as you become engulfed in flames? Like I can't imagine. You read history and you hear about people and reformers and rebels who weren't accepted and they were burned at a stake. Fire's fun, not for them. 
There's times where fire is fun. There are times when fire is warm and it's cozy and it brings back a lot of good memories. But there's also times, friends, and don't forget about it, that fire and flames will destroy. No, this is not a message on hell tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you this because we're about to begin a new book study. We're, we're starting a new sermon series tonight. And we are in the book of Ruth, okay? And the title of our series this, these next few weeks is beauty from ashes. And so we're beginning a new sermon series, but in, in all actuality, yes, it's a sermon series, but really you could say that this is a story. This is a story called Ruth. And in the story, we're going to see flames. In this story, we're going to see flames. We're going to begin an introduction today. And even in the introduction, even in the prelude, you guys are going to see ashes. And we're going to see not the fun, not the cozy, not the warm kind of fire, but we're going to see a character today named Naomi experience flames, the flames of life that are destructive. The flames of life that can ravage and engulf everything in its path. The kind of flames of life that leave nothing left but ashes. And so we're going to do the introduction today. We're going to do the prelude. And these are the ashes. Listen to this story for the next few moments. The book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So there's the family unit. We see that, right? There's a man with his wife. He has two sons. Family of four, please, right? Verse two, follow along. The name of the man was Elimelech. Right? You have to say it that way. All right? Everybody say Elimelech. Oh, I felt that. Just Elimelech will work. Okay. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. Now they went into the country of Moab, and they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, he died, and she was left with her two sons. Now these took Moabite wives. Happy day, they're married, right? The name of the one wife was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. And then both Malone and Kilion also died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Welcome to Naomi's life. Welcome to Naomi's life. You read this story, right? We're gonna pause here just for today. We're gonna to camp out here. Because you read this story and it becomes obvious right off the bat that this is not one of those once upon a time kind of fairy tales. It becomes very obvious right off the bat that our story is not all nice and neat, right? Our story is not neat and self-contained. No, our story is a real-life story with real-life problems. And so let's look at it again. Let me, I, I want you guys to see exactly, because maybe I read it, and you go, I don't get it. What, what's so bad about that? Let's walk through it, all right? Look at, look at the verses here. First verse. In the days when the judges ruled. Okay, and you're like, okay, I don't get it. In the days when the judges ruled, guys. That's it. In the days when the judges ruled. You don't get it. No. All right. 
I understand that, all right? Let me explain it to you, okay? Are there certain periods of history in our history that we can look back on and go, man, that was not, that was not our finest moment as a country, right? Are there nations in this world that can look back and go, man, kind of wish that was ripped out of our history books, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you talk to a German about that time of World War II, it's a, it's a sore spot, right? They're embarrassed. You think about the way that even we as Americans, the way that we dealt with Native Americans, there are periods of history that we look back on and we go, man, what were we thinking in the days when the judges ruled? Guys, Israel, if Israel could rip out any pages of their Bible, they would rip out the period, the, the period that was marked by the judges. Do you guys know what happened in the book of Judges? Do you guys know what happened when the judges were judging? It was complete chaos, all right? So imagine a nation, right? Imagine a, a country of Israelites, and it's, the Bible says that they did whatever they wanted to do, all right? Everybody, ready? On three, do whatever you want to do. Three, two, what? They did whatever was right in their own eyes, right? And the Bible makes it very clear that the reason they did this is because there was no king, right? There was no, there was no ruler. There was nobody who could police the land, and so, guys, man, you think the Bible is like rated G? Oh, man, the Bible, dude, it's real. You find this story about a dude who's traveling with his concubine, right? And he's traveling from town to town. He shows up in this one town called Gibeah, knocks on the door. He goes, hey, can I stay here? I'm a traveler. Yes, my friend, come on in. I give you passage. Right, come on in, come on in, right? So they come in. He's a house guest. And the people in the town, get this. I'm not making this up. Read Judges 19. The people in the town, they hear there are guests in that house, right? They hear that there's some visitors in town, and so they go to their door, they're banging on the door, and they say, give us that man so that we can do shameful things to him. There's a gang, and they're demanding, give us your visitor so we can have our way with him. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The story gets even worse. The guy comes out to the house and he's like, guys, you're embarrassing me. I have guests here. Why don't you just, guys, leave us alone. Get, get, no, we want him. All right, how about this? How about you take my daughter? Can I give you my daughter instead? No, we want him. All right, fine, take his concubine, right? So the guy, and they go, no, we want him. So the owner of the house goes, grabs the concubine, throws her out the, the, out the, front, the front door, front door, and the, and the Bible says that they had their way with him all night, or with her all night long. And the master, right, he thought he was at some hotel, right? He thought he was, like, just spending the night somewhere. He wakes up in the morning, opens up the door, and finds his concubine laying dead and abused. The Bible says that they abused her and knew her all night long in the days when the judges ruled. This is a period of time, friends. You think there's order, right? You think there's a government? You think there's some safe political entity? No. This is a, this is a group of people. Not only morally were they bankrupt, spiritually they were bankrupt. It tells a story about a guy who was a priest. And you guys know what a priest is, right? They would help connect people to God and, and do their religious services. And so there's this priest who wakes up one day and he says, you know what, I, I think I want to just like start my own business. We'll call it uh, Levite Incorporated, right? And so this priest goes out and he hires himself and he says, hey, I'll be your personal priest. And this guy starts like a backyard religion, he goes, oh, you, you serve Yahweh? How about you just come and we can just do our own like small little religion thing, you know, and uh, we can make up our own gods and, you know, you can just like be the, the good luck charm. Why is this happening? 
There were no, there were no king. There was no king. This is the, this is the period of time where the judges ruled. All right. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And it says here, the backdrop to our story, the time period of our story, Naomi was living in the time when the judges ruled. And so, man, if there was any hope for order, right? If there was any hope for for leadership in that day and age, it really didn't last very long. Let's keep going, shall we? Let's keep going. Look what else the Bible says. So it says that this was in the days when the judges ruled, when there was a famine in the land. It says that there's a famine in the land. You guys know that you can't go to a grocery store, right? Like, in, in the time of Israel, if you're out of food, you don't go to the grocery store and just go, hey, dude, I ran out of eggs. You got some eggs for me, right? Hey, man, I ran out of milk. Do you have any goats I can borrow? No, if you were in this land and there was a famine and there was no rain, you guys know there's no food, right? If there's a famine, there's no crops. Oh, like the store is out. No, no, there's just no food, period. And so what do they do? They're forced to leave, right? So Naomi's here, right? Guys, check this out. Naomi's here with her family. It's all right. There's no order. It's already chaos. And now there's no food. And it says that they are forced to sojourn to Moab. All right? How many people have ever moved in your life? You've moved? Okay. Keep your hand up if you like moving. <laughs> yeah. Because you like packing your rooms, and right? See, like moving, like nobody likes moving today. Like nobody's sitting at home on a Saturday going, I wish somebody would call me right now to help them move, right? Please, please, I'm a young man with a strong back and I just want someone to call me so I can help them move right now, right? Any ladies at home on a Saturday going, please, I hope the phone rings so I can help people pack China into their boxes, right? Moving is just like, moving is hard, and but a lot of times we move as a lifestyle choice. We move because of work, we move because of school, whatever your parents do. But when you, if you were to move in this day and age, it's not simply a lifestyle choice. Moving, I mean like in this day and age, everything in your life was connected to your land. Do you understand that? Like your land, it's not like, hey, we bought a house, we bought like a really nice plot of land, we're gonna build on it, I'm gonna have a chimney right there. I mean, it's like, your land was passed down to you from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. Everything in your life was revolved on that land. Your food, your home, your community was on that land. Your sustenance, everything. And now, Naomi and her family are forced to move. I'm sorry. They're forced to just move. And now here's the reality, friends. When you're a refugee... When you're a sojourner, you don't move to that land and you go, hey, we're just going to go find a nice hotel. We're going to go and just, you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks tops. By that time, we'll be relocated. We'll have a nice pot of land. You're going and you don't know anybody in Moab. You literally pack up as many of your possessions as you can carry. You hike hundreds of miles and you show up on the doorstep of Moab, a foreign country who doesn't speak the same language as you who doesn't eat the same food as you. They look different than you. And you show up and you are hoping, hoping that maybe these people will be hospitable to you and just help you out a little bit. Are you starting to feel Naomi's stress here? Not only did she lose any sense of order, right? Not only is there not any leadership, but the economy is just like torched right now. This is the economy. 
It's just going, right? Yeah, I, I, at least I have my land, right? At least I have the food. No, it's just, it's donezo. And so there's that. And then not only that, but she has no food. We're lighting fires inside the building. I know. It's awesome, right? But she has no food. And so we'll just, we'll just let that simmer right there, right? What else here? Her home. Man, the same home that she's had. Sit down, guys. It's okay. It's all right. We're not going to light the building on fire, I swear, right? I've done this before in my dreams, right? That was before. But like even, even like her home, like imagine she probably grew up. She probably grew up in this house, right? Look how nice it is. She grew up in this house. I wish she just had a torch. But she just grew up in this house and like she has to say goodbye. She, ne- she doesn't know when she'll ever see it again. And so she goes, her community, friends, she's moving away. Like, do you know how important your community is? Your community is so important, and yet here it is. It's just like, yeah, we're going to Moab, friends. Who are we staying with, mom and dad? Are we staying with like some aunts and uncles? No, we don't know anybody. And so there it is. There's a famine in the land, right? Look what else, though. Look what else. So then she gets there. So she doesn't have any sense of of leadership. She moves to a place where she doesn't know anybody. And then look what it says here. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. Man, that's a flame, huh? Oh, the fire is fun. No, that, man. She loses her husband, guys. Two boys lose a father. And they're in a foreign land. And now imagine Naomi, right, living in a foreign land and her partner, her protector, her provider, her husband, the one who will protect her, her man, he's dead. Sam, this is a great story so far, huh? Disney should pick this one up. It's going to be a great one. Man. And then, at least she has her boys, right? Like, she's a widow, but at least she has her sons, right? What do the next few verses say, guys? It says both Malone and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Her children are gone. Her family has, been, has become extinct. And then not only does she have to experience the pain, man, I can't even imagine losing a loved one like that, but not only does she have the sting of losing a family member, her entire family name is about to be wiped out. How many, do I have any single children any single, if you're an only child, okay? You're an only child. If you're a guy, if you're a, if you're a guy only child, you're safe, all right? If you're a, if you're a boy only child, you're safe because you'll pass on your last name. But like imagine there's no boys that have your last name. Do you realize that your name will be wiped out of the history books? Like you realize that like if I, let's say I have no sons, and I die. I'm the only boy in my family. If I had no boys, that means nobody would have my last name in the next generation. Do you realize that? Have you ever thought about that? It's kind of weird, right? But it's not a big deal to us. We go, I don't care. I'm not going to be here anyway. But do you know that like in Israel, to not have your last name continue on, to not have your family name, to not have the honor and the legacy of your family name carry on, that was a disgrace, Do you realize that? Like, to not have someone with your name who can continue your land and your legacy, 
It was as if you were cursed. People would look at you and go, ah, I guess God wanted to wipe you guys off the face of the planet. And so here is Naomi. Here's Naomi, alone. All she has are her two daughters-in-law. She's alone in a foreign land, doesn't speak the language, no food, nothing of her own. Her husband is dead and her children are dead and her, the memory of her family is about to be erased forever. It's as if everything, right? Everything that she thought, look at you Nancy's, right? You worry wards. Everything that she thought her life would be, every dream that she had, every plan that she had, everything since the time that she was a little girl, everything that she thought her life would be was now in a pile of ashes. Every dream that she had, friends, every desire, everything in her mind that she said, this is my five-year plan, all of it was up in smoke. And all that she had left to show for it was a pile of ashes. And you read the story, guys, and you go slow through it, and you read it, and you hear another strike, and another strike, and then this guy dies, and then they die, and she's left alone. And everything inside of Naomi at this moment, and everything inside of you as you read it, just looks at this story and screams, why? Why? Why did this happen? Why did God allow these things to go up in flames? Surely God could have prevented it. I mean, God, why? Are you not looking out for me? God, why? Why? Friends, students, hear me, okay? If anybody ever, if anybody ever tells you, follow God and it'll all be easy, man. Follow God and life just becomes so much better. You're just happy all the time and like things just go your way. If anybody ever tells you that, first of all, direct them to me and we can have a conversation, right? But more importantly, understand that it's a lie, okay? Students, you need to understand this today, okay? It is a lie. Following God is not some get through life easy card, okay? It's hard at times. It's hard to live a life surrendered to God. Do you understand that? It's hard to live a life where you're not in the driver's seat. It's hard sometimes living a life where things happen, but you're surrendered and you go, I don't really know why this is happening. But if you guys, students, but if you have this notion, if you have this idea, this lie inside of your head that if I follow God, it's all gonna get easy from here, if you think that's what you signed up for, at the first sign of difficulty, what are you going to do? Deuces. I didn't sign up for this. Whoa, I thought following Jesus was going to be cake and coffee. What is in the world? Whoa, I didn't sign up for this, yo. They told me at the club that Jesus was a lot of fun, and now I got to like wrestle with this thing, and now my desires are getting burned up in flames, and now the, my plans, and whoa, 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 I thought Jesus was cool, but he's trying to like impose his will on me, and oh, I'm out. If that's what you think Christianity is, it's not. It's not. Dying to your desires, dying to your will and surrendering to another, it is hard. And there are going to be things that happen in your life sometimes, just like we saw with Naomi, that students, even in high school, right? This is not like when you're older. Even right now, there are things that are happening in your life that lead you to wonder, why? Is that, 
God, was that really necessary? God, look at this. I can't imagine anything good coming out of this. God, I, I mean, man, I had so many better ideas, and look, all I have is ashes, God. What? And here's my fear for you. This is why we do things like the academy. This is why we preach the Bible straight through, because my fear for you is that you guys have many, many, many people in your lives trying to answer the why question. You guys sit here in your life and you look around the world and you look in your own life and you go, why? And everybody wants to tell you, oh, well, here's why. Let me tell you why, right? Because actually there is no purpose. Everything is random chance. It's all coincidence. That's why. That's why bad things happen, obviously. You have people in your life that are gonna tell you, oh, let me tell you why this is happening because God and Satan are like in this epic cosmic battle between two equal powers and man, they're just like duking it out but like, and you guys are living in the fallout, you know? You guys are experiencing the aftermath. That's why bad things happen because God and Satan, it's like, they're like King Kong and Godzilla just breaking everything everywhere. What? God created Satan. Are you kidding me? You're gonna have people in your life, friends. Oh man, you're gonna have people in your life that they're gonna tell you, oh, bad things are happening? I mean, what'd you do? You must have got God mad, huh? What did you do to deserve this? And then there's gonna be other people in your life that go, oh, bro, you know why this is happening, dude? I told you, man. I know that you like, like the youth group scene, but I figured it out a long time ago. God, oh, I believe in God, but he's a mean dude. God is just mean. That's why these things are happening. God's up there laughing at you. And I figured it out, and that's why I pieced out a long time ago. Have you guys ever heard any of these kind of answers to the why question? Any of you have friends in school that go, oh, I believe in God, but dude, that guy's a jerk, man. Like, why do bad things happen in the world? And they pose that, right? They point to the ashes, right? You try to tell your friends about Jesus, and they go, oh, that Jesus guy. Well, if he's real, talk about that. And here's the thing, guys, all right? Here's the thing. This is why we preach the Bible, because the Bible does not give us the answer all the time about the why. The Bible does not always say, well, let me explain to you why God allowed that in your life. Let me tell you why these things are in ashes. Man, it's a long story, but let me tell you. No, 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 no. The Bible says, you know what? I'm not gonna always give you the why, but I'll tell you this. God is good, and you can trust him I know that you're wondering why right now in your own heart, but students, I can tell you, God is good and you can trust him because when we read the Bible, it reveals a God who makes beauty out of ashes. We don't know what God has up his sleeve. We don't know why he allows these things. We don't know why he lets us go these ways and we go, man, couldn't I have avoided this? But the Bible reveals a God who makes beauty from ashes. And we're going to see, guys, over the next several weeks, we're going to see this story, right? We'll keep these up here. Naomi's ashes. This is her life. These are her dreams. But over the next four chapters, you're going to see God take ashes of Naomi's life. And he's going to make something beautiful out of it. God's going to take the ashes of Naomi's life and he's going to do something so beautiful that when it's all said and done, she will look back at those ashes and where all she saw once was ashes, she'll go, man, God was in it all along. Students, by the end of these few weeks, by the end of this series, I want you guys to be able to look at the ashes in your life and realize I can bring them to God. 
When all that's left in your life as young students, when all that's left in your life is ashes, I want you to realize that when, when everything inside of you wants to just scream, why? When every plan and desire and things that just make you just go, ah, why? You'll realize that you can bring them to God. You can trust that he is good and you can put your confidence in the fact that no matter how long it may take, you know that he is making something beautiful out of the ashes. You can have the confidence that for those who love him, he's working together all things for their good. That doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. Don't get me wrong, guys. Fire hurts. Fire burns. But we know that he can take not good things and make something good out of them. And this is, this, is, this is so clear in the person of Jesus Christ. Think about the story of Jesus. If I was inventing a religion, all right, real talk here. If I was inventing a religion about a savior, you know what my story would sound like? You know, this guy came down and he just went to town on some people. He like flexed his muscles, spit fire out of his mouth, and like, yo, everybody believes and he's the man. Like, that would be my savior story, right? Like, if you were to invent a religion story, uh, you know, like, your savior would be the man, would he not? He would be a boss. He'd be on a white horse with a sword, and if you disagree with him, who are you, right? Like, you're gone. But the story of Jesus is a story about a man. Imagine this is his life. A story about a man, and it's like everything in his life seemed to go to flames. His best friends betray him. The same people who cheer for him spit on him. What? Then he goes in and he's getting beaten. What? His own Jewish people, he's a Jew, but his own Jews, they hand him over to the Roman governor. What? And then the final piece, right? The final string, the final semblance of any normal life gets thrown into the fire. He's crucified. Why? What do you think his disciples were saying at that moment? What do you think the disciples who put their faith in Jesus, what they were thinking? They were looking at that and going, it's all in flames. All that's left is ashes. Jesus is on the cross. Go home, everybody. Show's over. We lost. But we see that our God can make beauty from ashes because he took what seemed to be a, 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 a ruined situation and you realize that he was actually in it all along. And you realize that the things that happened that we couldn't fathom were actually the very things he used to make something beautiful. And now here we have a room full of students standing here, sitting here, who love God through Jesus Christ. And it's because God made beauty from ashes. He makes beauty from ashes. We're going to see beauty in Naomi's story, I promise you, we're not gonna get there today, all right? It's a cliffhanger. You're like, tell me, does she make it out okay? I don't know, if we'll come back next week, we'll find out. No resolve today. We're gonna leave it here. We're gonna leave it in the ashes. We're gonna leave her story bleak. We're gonna leave her situation dire. But by the time we get to the end, guys, week after week, you're gonna be amazed at how God's sovereignty and his plan, he's never lets go of the situation. And he works out even the most painful parts of the story and he weaves it together to where at the end of the story, Naomi is gonna have everything back and more. Everything back and more. This is a redemption story where he takes ashes and he makes beautiful things. 
But I want to tell you one thing before you leave here with, with almost like a, a false hope, okay? Listen to this. From the first moment that Naomi's life started to become ash to the final verse of the story, four short chapters, right? It's only four chapters. God, he brought it together in four chapters. Her life was redeemed. But do you know how many years that was from the moment of the first flame to the final redemption? I mean, over 10 years, probably longer. And so for you guys, you can have hope, you can have trust that our God, we serve a God who makes beauty from ashes. But a lot of times, from this side of the story, looking forward, we can't imagine. We go, God, I have no idea what you're going to do with this. God, I have no idea where you're going to bring this. And it's not until further down the road, and for some of you guys, it may not be months, it may not be years, before you can look back in your rearview mirror and go, wow. He was there all along, wasn't he? It's only from this side of the store that you can look back at the ashes and you go, wow, I know that was so painful at that moment, but I can't imagine not going through that. You go, man, that was so painful at that moment, but I see that even in a not good situation, that for some, whatever reason I got allowed it for, he used it and he worked it together and he wrote a beautiful story of redemption. And so students, my sermon tonight is basically a call to trust in God. Sam, but you don't know my story, man. You don't know the ashes at my feet, man. Yo, you don't know my family situation. You don't know what happened at school. You don't know what's going on in my, in my neighborhood. You don't know the ashes that are sitting around my feet. And students, I'm not gonna be one of those youth pastors that looks you in the face and pretends to go, no, 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 trust me, here's why. I don't know why, guys. I cannot tell you why. All I can tell you is that he is good and you can trust him, and though it hurts, he is able to take ashes that have been devoured by the most painful flames and make something beautiful. And if you trust him, if you're surrendered to him, if you submit to him, you'll realize that he is the God who can make beauty from ashes.